It will be the second time in NHL history the Dallas Stars play the Minnesota Wild in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the lone time previous meeting in the 2016 first round, a Dallas six-game series win. It will see second-seed Dallas in the Central Division versus three-seed Minnesota in the two-versus-three divisional matchup this year. For the historical fabric, this is the matchup I wanted to see in round one, but the games between the teams this year in the regular season itself is also why I like this matchup from a watchability standpoint. Both teams a year ago exited in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs as Dallas lost in seven games to Calgary, while divisional St. Louis eliminated Minnesota in six games in the two versus three Central Division series. In a year, Jason Robertson became the first Dallas franchise player to ellipse 100 points while passing Minnesota North Star drafted single season point record holder Mike Medano's previous 93 point mark that he accomplished twice. The last season, the North Stars were in Minnesota and the first season the team played in Dallas. However, the franchise point mark truly over the whole franchise history is Bobby Smith, Minnesota North Star's 1981-1982 campaign. 114 points that Robertson by five points at 109 actually ranks second to for Minnesota it's 2020-21 Calder Trophy winner Kirill Kaprizov whom Robertson finished second on the ballot to and his 108 points of that year that is the Wilds franchise point mark and selling the two former rookies that battled for the Calder in their first playoff series versus each other is good for the networks. But hockey's a team game, and these are teams that play like it, even with the game-breaking players. Also, longtime defenseman John Klingberg, who Dallas passed on signing long-term over the offseason, by the way of a one-year deal signing in Anaheim, lands in Minnesota at the trade deadline to meet his old team in the postseason for the first time for some added juice, while likewise formerly bought out by Minnesota GM Bill Gurren, vet Dallas defenseman Ryan Suter, who signed with Dallas after, gets his shot at the Wild in the playoffs in return. And no matter how the series does go, one team will advance to round two, exercising last year's first round exit, while the other laments having to accept a repeated fate of failing to advance. To me, this rivalry should be more of a real hatred historical thing between the teams of the team that left Minnesota battling the expansion rebirth version of it. It just doesn't have that feel to it. The playoffs can provide that and this year we'll get to see this rivalry get some needed heel turns and drama to make it the more deserved rivalry it ought to be Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. This relocation versus expansion playoff edition series, the first of three featuring relocation Dallas 1993-94, first season of relocation, originally from Minnesota 1.0, 1967-68 to 1992-93, versus expansion Minnesota 2.0, 2000-2001, inaugural season. 
Dallas's lone Stanley Cup win was in the 1998-99 season and the last Stanley Cup final appearance in the 2021-22 season. Minnesota 2.0, a conference final appearance in the 2002-03 season. Tail the tape, Dallas finished 47-21-14, 108 points, 659 point percentage in the full 82-game schedule. Second in the Central Division, 39 regulation wins. Minnesota finished 46-25-11, points, 628 point percentage in the full 82 games played. Third in the Central Division, 34 regulation wins. Head-to-head, Dallas had a 4-1 win in December and a 4-1 home win February 8th. Minnesota, 6-5 road shootout win in December and a 2-1 home shootout win February 17th. Dallas was 2-0-2, Minnesota 2-2-0. Looking at how the teams finished up the regular season, the primary game recap is always put win or lose with the division team with the better record. Here's the game recaps for Dallas. We pick up starting from April 10th. Dallas won out all three games to finish the regular season. Dallas's Rope hints backdoor five-hole tap and goal on a cross-seam pass from the sidewall top circle by Thomas Harley off the cycle four minutes 53 seconds into the first open scoring in a three-goal Dallas first. Three minutes six seconds after, Dallas's Essel and Dells wrister from distance far side glove goal upon Dallas getting the Detroit offensive zone and Dallas's tied to Landria's top of paint short side tap and goal with seven minutes 50 seconds left as the stretch pass doesn't connect but Max Domi is first to the well-placed dumping to set his teammate up from below the goal line ending former blue detroit goalie billy huso's night three goals against two saves three nothing dallas after one 55 seconds into the second dallas's jason robertson's top of circle far side corner shelf power play goal is followed by dallas's joe pavelski's fittingly high slot tip short side goal on a merrill haskin and point shot two minutes 42 seconds after fitting indeed as it had pavelski reach his a thousandth nhl career point milestone Seven minutes, six seconds, Dallas's Yoel Kiviranta crashing the crease, kicks in a rebound that after review doesn't count. Dallas's Jamie Benn's goal, the between the hash marks fly-by screen that has Colin Miller's point shot go in off Benn's backside with five minutes, 41 seconds left in the middle frame, has Dallas go up six goals before former Blue Detroit's David Perron pull and drag five-hole goal at the dot with three minutes 10 seconds left ends Dallas goalie Jake Oninger's shutout bid 6-1 through 2. A scoreless third that had Dallas backup goalie Scott Wedgwood getting some extra playing time. 6-1 Dallas road win final. Five minutes 41 seconds into the first Dallas watch Johnston's rebound net side backhanded banked in off St. Louis goalie Joe Hofer short side goal open scoring as he collects the goal line tuck rebound attempt by Orion Suter as the team's trade goals in the first. St. Louis's Jacob Vrana's edge of circle slot tap and power play goal on a cross slot top of circle pass from Robert Thomas five seconds shy of two minutes later. With 56 seconds left in the first, Dallas's Joe Pavelski's point shot one-timer short side goal off the cycle on a St. Louis delayed penalty as Pavelski comes on as the extra Dallas skater when Dallas pulls a goalie. St. Louis's Robert Thomas's low circle juke along the goal line forehand short side shelf goal with 20 seconds left in the first has the teams tied at two after 20. 
In the middle frame, it's all Dallas on the man advantage, netting three. Four minutes, 48 seconds into the second, Dallas's Rope hints far side slot wrister power play goal in the net front soft spot of the St. Louis penalty kill coverage on a below the goal line feed from Jamie Benn. And Dallas's Wyatt Johnson's far side post and in snapshot power play goal off the one touch bumper pass from Yevgeny Dandanov 48 seconds after. Dallas with two power play tallies on St. Louis Sammy Blaze four minute high stick double minor penalty. Dallas's Tyler Sagan's net side short side power play goal off a Dallas shot off the end boards with 43 seconds left in the second is the third 5-2 Dallas through 40. After a scoreless third 5-2 Dallas road win over divisional St. Louis. In game two of the back-to-back, a scoreless first with Dallas's Ty Delandria's net side shorthanded chance on a two-on-one with Rope Hints two minutes, 59 seconds into the first, the best scoring chance. A scoreless second follows with seven minutes, 48 seconds left. Dallas's Colin Miller's point blast and Joe Pavelski's slot rebound denied to keep it at zeros. Three minutes, 45 seconds into the third, Dallas's Wyatt Johnston's rebound slot goal. It's Yevgeny Dandanov's slot shot goes off the far side post for the rookie to bury his 24th of the campaign. It's the lone goal in the game. Dallas goalie Jake Oninger with a 25-save shutout for his fifth of the year. That includes a slot pad save on St. Louis's Jordan Cairo with 45 seconds left in the third. one nothing Dallas home win over divisional St. Louis to win both games of the back-to-back home-and-home set. Dallas enters the playoffs playing playoff hockey, winning their last six, going 8-2-0 over the last 10, and they also were the team in the Central Division with the most regulation wins. And why is that important? There are no shootouts in the playoff season. As for the losses over that 10-game stretch, a loss to Colorado that sealed Dallas not having control of its own destiny of getting first in the division and then not being able to do so. And while at the beginning of the last 10, with AHL call up backup goalie Matt Murray in net versus Vancouver, the lone other loss. In the wins, Dallas kept the goals against to two or less. The Minnesota game recaps as we catch up starting from April 10th. Minnesota ends up 1-1-1 to finish up the regular season. Minnesota's Matt Boldy's tucked in backhand owned rebound from below the goal line goal. Two minutes, 32 seconds past the first midpoint, open scoring. Chicago's Joey Anderson's net front scramble top of the paint five-hole goal with a minute, 49 seconds left in the first, evens it after a Minnesota defensive zone failed clear attempt. 1-0 after 1. Chicago's Anders Bjork's fluff just enough shot off the pad rebound goal off the rush on Boris Kachuk's initial shot for Bjork's first of the year and as a Blackhawk 2 minutes 23 seconds into the second. That's the lone middle frame tally. A stretch pass springs Chicago's Reese Johnson for a breakaway, but Minnesota goalie Philip Gustafson's pad stop in close. Seven minutes, 31 seconds into the second keeps it 2-1 Chicago after two. Chicago's Jason Dickinson shorthanded breakaway four minutes, 32 seconds into the third is denied by Minnesota goalie Gustafson. Chicago Jonathan Taves slot rebound insurance goal on a delayed penalty. Seven minutes, 44 seconds into the third ends up negated 
as Minnesota defenseman John Merrill is deemed to have had puck possession, clearing it prior to Taves putting it away. That, instead, is followed by Minnesota's Marcus Johansson's two-on-one keep far side shorthanded goal off the cycle with six minutes left in the third. Johansson's second of the game started on a Chicago neutral zone turnover for a short side goal off the rush and a pretty drop pass given go with Matt Boldy two minutes 47 seconds after and Minnesota Gustav Nyquist's empty net goal from the Chicago blue line with a minute and a second left in the third provides a three goal third period Minnesota comeback and a Minnesota 4-2 road win over divisional Chicago. Minnesota goalie Gustafson two goals against 40 saves and former wild Chicago goalie Alex Stalock three goals against 18 saves. Minnesota also kept Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, Jared Spurgeon, and Jonas Brodine at home and did not dress Matt Dumba as Minnesota had to travel home to play Winnipeg the next night and were locked into third spot divisionally. Three minutes, 53 seconds into the first Winnipeg's Adam Lowry's net front rebound short side goal open scoring after a slot pass from Nino Niederreiter. Winnipeg's Mark Scheifele on the goal line corrals a rebound to tuck in a short side goal three minutes, 10 seconds past the first midpoint that puts Winnipeg up 2-0 after 20. A scoreless second with Winnipeg goalie Connor Halbach stopping Minnesota's Marcus Johansson's breakaway five minutes, 37 seconds into the middle frame. On a delayed Winnipeg penalty, Minnesota's Connor Dewar rings the far post on a yawning open cage 26 seconds into the third. Minnesota's Kirill Kaprizov slot backhanded rebound power play goal off a John Klingberg point shot a minute 59 seconds into the third is Kirill's 40th of the year, making it a one-goal game. Winnipeg's Mason Appleton's going to the net lifted glove side goal as a two-on-one is completed with a below-the-goal line dish from Morgan Barron with 5 minutes 42 seconds that gives Winnipeg an insurance goal. Winnipeg goalie Hellebuck makes paddle robbery and a save on Minnesota's Matt Zuccarello net side 6-on-5 with Minnesota's goalie pulled with 2 minutes 21 seconds left in the third. Minnesota 3-1 home loss to divisional Winnipeg who clinched the final Western Conference playoff spot with the win. It was a night of fights. 41 minutes of the total 51 were in the third period alone. Winnipeg and Minnesota don't like each other, but Minnesota could have, with a win, put a dagger and force Winnipeg to go to the wire against the divisional winning Colorado instead to have had to clinch a playoff spot. Maybe they wouldn't have. It felt with Winnipeg leading, they were open to mucking it up with Minnesota. Minnesota's Ryan Hartman, after a neutral zone pass, reversed hit Winnipeg's Nick Ehlers, who had earned Earlier in the shift, hit Kirill Kaprizov. It was the last meeting between the teams. A healthy scratch Winnipeg defenseman Logan Stanley forced Kaprizov to miss 13 games after an awkward hit between the two. Hartman was assessed an interference penalty, but also the NHL Player Safety Department handed him a one-game suspension to make Hartman ineligible for Minnesota's last game of the regular season. Winnipeg's Neil Pionk with 26 seconds left, two-handed cross-checks to the midsection, Marcus Johansson, and gets five minutes and a game. The Minnesota power play saw Minnesota's Hartman and Winnipeg's Brendan Dillon get slashing penalties after, really, they fought. Then Minnesota put Ryan Reeves out on the ice, and he and Adam Lowry fought while Winnipeg coach Rick Bonus between the glass lost it and had words with Minnesota coach Dean Evison, who waved and invited the Jets coach to come on over. Winnipeg defenseman Pionk received a fine from the league for his cross-check, additionally. 
And did the game have a playoff feel to it? I suppose. It just seemed the score dictated with the officials who let the game management get away from them. Some scores between the teams to be settled. If the teams were to meet in the playoffs, it would require both making it to the West Final. But let's say in the rare event that happens, the division teams cleared out a lot of the baggage in their systems in this last game that if they do meet, it won't carry over into a playoff series now. Nashville's Mark Jankowski slot deflection shorthanded goal off the rush a minute 58 seconds to the first midpoint open scoring. Minnesota's Frederick Goudreau's short side low circle 1T goal on a cross seam John Merrill pass off the cycle 6 minutes 17 seconds after ties it. Nashville Kiefer Sherwood's net front scramble backhanded goal off the cycle 2 minutes after puts Nashville up again. 2-1 Nashville after 1. Minnesota's Goudreau's net front scramble delayed Nashville penalty tapping goal. His second of the game 46 seconds past the game's midpoint is the lone middle frame marker. 2 all through 2. Nashville's Yakov Trenin's 2-on-0 goal as Yuso Parsonen and Trenin pass back and forth prior to it after Minnesota has a bad line change with 5 minutes 56 seconds left in the third. Former Jet draft pick, Minnesota's Nick Patan's goal for his first of the year, 16 seconds after, responds as Nashville's Sherwood mishandles the dump in, creating the short side slot scramble goal, and the teams are tied at three after three, needing three on three OT. Nashville's Yusil Parsonen's off the cycle through the middle breakaway between the legs, far side roof goal, two minutes 44 seconds into OT, the dangle that ends up winning it. Minnesota 4-3 OT road loss to Divisional Nashville. Goudreau's two-goal game came after he signed a five-year $2.1 million per extension with Minnesota. A goal shy of 24 the year, but with 19, a new career high for the 29-year-old. The Dallas-Minnesota matchup. In goal, Dallas will ride with starter Jake Ottinger. 61 games started, 37-11-11. 2.37 goals against average, 9.19 save percentage with 5 shutouts. Money pucked, 12th ranked, 11.8 in goal saved above expected. Recently returned from injury backup goalie Scott Wedgwood, 29th ranked, 4.5 goals saved above expected, was 9.8-3 in 18 games started, but he was able to get some time in the net at the regular season's end, so that provided Otter with some time to rest and Wedgwood with some playing time leading up in the backup role. Vital after missing time due to injury. Minnesota has a goalie tantum, and it's said vet goalie Marc-Andre Fleury, 45 games started, 24-16-4, and Philip Gustafson, 37 games started, 22-9-7, will continue to share the crease, something I agree with. It's the younger Gustafson, 2.10 goals against average, 931 save percentage, 3 shutouts, and 7th ranked 24.2 in goals save above expected. Best of any goalie options for this series stats that were better to Flowers, 2.85 goals against average, 908 save percentage, 2 shutouts, and 22nd ranked 6.6 in goal save above expected numbers. The advantage Dallas has a clear number one, and one only needs to look at Oninger's willing Dallas to a seven-game series in Calgary last year when the team otherwise had no business being in one as proof he can elevate in big games or a series. Vet Fleury is also a cup winner, yet it will be Gustafson's first taste of the postseason play. 
Still, in fairness, Dallas having to prepare for both goalies also makes it more of a challenge. The edge, to me, still goes to Dallas and goalie Jake Ottinger. Turning to defense, Dallas's top four group of Miro Haskinen, Essel and Dell, Ryan Suter, and Yanni Hockenpah is a playoff experienced one. Colin Miller's play down the stretch makes him a bottom pair guy to expect, but the call up of now 21 year old Thomas Harley as the other bottom pair player wasn't as expected. While Harley only played six games, he did play 34 regular season games with Dallas a year ago, and I thought he had a legitimate chance to make the team at season start out of camp. His AHL development time looks to have him now ready to take the next step. That has Niles Lundquist, 22, and steady reliable vet Joel Hanley, 31, for D-Dep if Dallas goes this route and keeps Harley in, and that's what I anticipate they do. Minnesota's top four group of Jared Spurgeon, Jake Middleton, Jonas Brodeen, and Matt Dumba should be no surprise. However, Minnesota added John Klingberg and signed out of college Brock Faber, who played two games at season's end as a bottom pairing, and that could be a real option for the playoffs. If not, both Alex Goligoski and John Merrill add depth. Not to mention, less likely, is Kalen Addison, whose defensive play, even with 29 points in 62 games played, that was second only to Spurgeon's 34 points in 79 games played, likely won't be called upon, especially with Klingberg's pickup to run the power play, who had 9 points in 17 games played with Minnesota to end the season. Dallas has a slight edge in team defense, third in goals against, while Minnesota ranks sixth. As I said off the top, the Klingberg and Suter storylines will be a focus. Yet, I look to see if Miro Haskinen elevates for Dallas and how Jared Spurgeon needs to for Minnesota on the offensive side of the puck. If the young Dallas Harley or Minnesota's Faber get bottom pair time on ice in this series, how do they impact it? The difference might be if Dallas Haskinen can have, like he did in Dallas's Stanley Cup final loss run, near point-per-game production. He had 26 points in 27 games played during that cup run. His 73 points in 79 regular season games played this year obliterated the old career high while setting a new one for Haskinen. Until it's shown otherwise, Haskinen is the only D in the series capable of that point-per-game added production for either team. Maybe Minnesota could get the contribution by committee. Point is, Minnesota likely needs Spurgeon, Klingberg, and Dumba to add offense to counteract simply Haskinen's ability to do so. It's not like Dallas can't get contributions from Miller and other players as well. Dallas's top line still drives their offense. However, it did have more secondary contributors this year. Jason Robertson's career high of 46 goals, Rope Hintz's 37, and Pavelski with 28 goals is that top line. Yet, the Renaissance for 33 goals for Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan's 21, and rookie Wyatt Johnston's 24 goals means it isn't just shutting down the top line if a team can. If you include games with both Dallas and Chicago traded at the deadline, Max Domi, he's a 20-goal getter this year as well. Dallas has three lines that can score now and a fourth line that you can play. In fact, the time on ice distribution is over 12 minutes for the fourth liners while under 18 minutes except for Robertson in all situations. 
that balances up against a Minnesota team that likes to run its lines in a similar fashion under Minnesota coach Dean Evason. I mean, run all four lines and have a fourth line that plays over 10 minutes. Of any of the division teams, Dallas under coach Pete DeBoer will be comfortable doing it. Minnesota's top line of Kirill Kaprizov, 40 goals, Matt Zuccarello's 22 goals, and Ryan Hartman's 15 goals, while missing time to injury and every other variety of way you would have to miss games, it seems, this season, also won't provide alone the necessary goals for to win. Minnesota's Matt Boldy's 31 goals and the pair of 19 goal getters, Frederick Goudreau and Marcus Johansson's, and that's a combined total with Washington and Minnesota this year, as well as an X factor that might be acquired forward Gustav Nyquist, who had five points in three games played. The Athletics' Michael Russo reported center Joel Eriksson 23 goals skated, but not with the team, and bottom six, Oscar Sundquist did skate with the team Saturday. Sundquist won a cup with St. Louis and Minnesota having Sam Steele in the lineup instead of Joel Eriksson is a massive player personnel hit to the Wild. Dallas at 3.43 average goals per game, 7th in the league. Minnesota was 2.91, 23rd by comparison. The team with more injury questionable status players, most notably Joel Eriksson and Oscar Sundquist, are also Minnesota to start the series, whereas Dallas has all its key regulars available for Game 1. That does give Dallas a slight edge. Minnesota will have a competitive lineup, yes. But if you watch Minnesota play, you know the impact Joel Erickson Eck brings. And Sunquist's cup experience and skill with toughness is tailor-made for this Dallas-Minnesota series. And the team's overall toughness excites me. Dallas's Jamie Benn, the addition of Mason Marchment in the offseason, and Radic Faxa aren't fun to play against at forward, while Hockenpah, Lindell, and Suter aren't in the defensive zone. For Minnesota, Hartman can be like Benn in getting under opposing players' skin, but the real toughness is Marcus Foligno and Ryan Reeves, while defensively Jake Middleton and Matt Dumba, when he brings his physicality. It's to say the teams have skill, but they also have a toughness within the skill to make this series a long drawn out every inch of the ice earned that makes for a great playoff series. Eck would provide that as well, and it seems to me to counteract Jamie Benn, that role may have to fall to Marcus Foligno if Erickson Eck isn't ready to go game one. Special teams, Dallas was 5th in the NHL, while Minnesota 15th on the power play. Dallas, with a slightly better penalty kill, ranked 3rd, while Minnesota ranked 10th. Minnesota was 26th, however, in penalties taken, and that with Dallas's power play means the physicality element Minnesota brings can't be also having them take the extra penalty, but also avoiding the unnecessary slash, hook, etc. Those can't be drawn by Dallas if Minnesota wants to win. Determining the series at 5-on-5 is better for Minnesota because a Dallas power play edge could be the difference to putting them onto round two. Dallas, when hiring a new coach, wanted more offense, and they got it under coach Pete DeBoer, and he had the players deliver. Three teams previous in his first year at the helm, DeBoer has led to the Stanley Cup final, New Jersey, San Jose, and Vegas, but they were always runner-up. 
Minnesota coach Dean Evason focused his team not simply on a good regular season, but to end the first round playoff exits Minnesota has had. So one of those storylines has to give. The edge has to go to Dallas's DeBoer simply for his playoff experience. The other thing is it looked to me before the playoffs began that it was Dallas playing playoff-style hockey and including games against Minnesota, and I'm not so sure Minnesota ever found that playoff template. Dallas's division head-to-head record for the season was 18-4-4. Minnesota's division head-to-head record 16-8-2 overall. The first round matchup begins in Dallas with Game 1 Monday, Game 2 Wednesday. Teams go to Minnesota for Game 3 Friday and Game 4 Sunday. If necessary, Game 5 would be the following Tuesday in Dallas, Game 6 Friday back in Minnesota, and Game 7 Sunday in Dallas. Prediction time. Dallas in seven in a first round series that finally gets this rivalry the needed boost in full-on heat for each other these franchises should have. These teams are built to deliver it and both have players that ignite the spark. Jamie Benn, Ryan Hartman, right off the top. Mason Marchment, Ryan Reeves to set it off. And the prediction of this seven-game series was done with my head and not my heart. Trust me, admittingly, there's been a lot of times that I have been a fan of Minnesota. And I think this is a fairly good matchup instead of, say, Colorado, for example, for Minnesota. However, looking at everything that Dallas has consistently done this year, and that's what I mean. I think there's a consistency to it. If I went with my heart on this prediction, I probably would have wanted to take Minnesota. I do appreciate Joel Erickson missing a couple games could be costly in losing the series for Minnesota if that happens. The other thing is that Dallas just had a consistency throughout the season that will bode well for them in the playoffs that I'm a little hesitant to say that Minnesota is going to find its playoff form when the season had a lot more ups and downs this season for the Wild than even in previous years where they did lose in the first round. Next up for the podcast, the defending champions and Central Division winner relocated Colorado will face expansion Seattle in their first playoff appearance. That we preview. And relocated Winnipeg will meet the expansion Vegas team that in their inaugural season, that's Vegas's, won the Western Conference final series between the teams in the other preview. Central Division teams, St. Louis, National, Arizona, and Chicago will have podcasts to wrap their non-playoff campaigns when time permits with the playoffs underway. St. Louis, a pair of podcasts. They're due up next once we get through the previews. Thanks for listening. The real season gets underway Monday. Four Central Division teams in three first-round playoff series competing for the Stanley Cup. One team, Central Division Colorado, is defending to keep. 